Anime Pulse, episode Joseph, this week I am fueled by the delicious taste of plum wine, Kyoshu plum wine, available in supermarkets everywhere. Ooh, proud sponsor, official, unofficial sponsor of the yes. show. Yes, yes, Kyoshu. If you wanna, I know you're listening because you know we're the most popular show in Japan. Obviously, obviously. Um, you wanna maybe you know hook up. Maybe a little sponsorship. I will be more than glad to drink your wine and talk about how delicious it is if you supply me free wine. Mm. Really, <laughs> really, you're taking advantage of us. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm poisoning myself so that you can have publicity. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's, so it shows the health benefits of your product. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, I think mm. my my uh, kidneys right now are doing okay. Mm, mm. <laughs> let's let's find out how how it'll do after a bottle a week. It'll be oh, kind of like it... that McDonald's program, the super size. Is it the, the liver? You... Hmm? It's, it's a liver, both. isn't it? I think you compromise both. I think it's not good for your kidneys either. It is liver as well. It can give you liver poisoning, but right. it's also not good for the kidneys either. But any, anything to do with like the digestion and the way it processes liquids in your body, like the the kidneys also process it. So digestion mm. and um, yeah, how your body processes fluids are both damaged. Lovely. Kyoshu plum wine. It's, it's like when you run like a diesel f- uh, fuel through your um, when your car's supposed to just take leaded fuel. You know, it's that sort of thing with your insides. Indeed. Well, uh, let's see here. I think uh, we should probably get into our IRL news then. Da. All right. Well, let me tell you. Did you watch the most recent episode of of uh, Darling in the Frank? Mm. I did. I did watch it. Yeah, I fucking called it. I'm not going to spoil anything, but I fucking <laughs> called it. I knew yeah. it from the... I was like, mm-hmm. this is kind of uh-huh. Evangelion. I wonder if they're going to yeah. do the same thing Evangelion did. And uh, then I was like... I watched the episode. I was like, motherfucker. I called it. Yep. It's, to be fair, it's kind of it's kinda telegraphed, I guess. You know? 
Yeah, was, I mean, the, the, the twists as soon as I saw Ape and Ape apart, kept talking yeah. about how like oh blah 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 blah, and they never referred to themselves as humanity. You know, they're always talking about like you know like saving you know humanity and, and blah blah blah. And I was like, oh, these guys are douchebags. But today it was like, I knew it. I fucking knew it. Yep. It's like somebody pick up the phone because I called it. Mhm. But are you happy with the way that's going though? Like. How it's kind of i will tell you i'm honestly surprised i did not see the fucking um minor spoilers i didn't see the uh the lolly princess doing that you didn't see her doing it no i was <laughs> like oh she's gonna go for zero two and i was like oh oh okay no, no, I, I i had that i had the rough idea that was happening i thought but she wait. was like gonna like take over zero two or something like that but i was like oh well then <laughs> Hmm. Oh, you know the guy you don't like from the nines or whatever they're called? The guy with the blonde hair? Yeah, blonde douchebag. Yeah, do you notice that, you know, if they're talking about how being in a France is sort of like a relationship sort of thing with the guy... Yeah, and he's getting one. fucked in the ass. <laughs> yeah, 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 I was wondering if you noticed that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I noticed that when he was doing I, his was piloting, wondering... like, back when they showed him previously, like, episodes ago, when he's yeah. he's in the girl's position, and the girls are in the female position in their francs. And I was like... You know, that says a lot about his personality. He's I'm getting not, pegged. Yeah, not, not that there's necessarily anything wrong with that, but it's it's just funny that that detail's in there and they don't actually mention it or anything. There's no, there's not even any explicit mention of his pilot, you know, who his partner is in the situation. You just see his lower body and you're like, oh, I know what's going on here. Yeah. So. He's getting fucked. Mm-hmm. And that's why, he's, that's why he's always so jelly. He's like, you guys are straight. Ugh, straight people. And it's like, whatever. Mm-hmm. Guy. Maybe that's the thing. Maybe all these nines, all these people, like you know, that were manufactured the way zero two are, they're all supposed to be the the direct pilots of the Franks, so like they all have to take it up the ass, <laughs> for lack of a better term, um, whether they be guy or girl. So maybe he's just better about that. I don't know. Maybe he doesn't like yeah. it that way. Whatever, I, 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 I still <laughs> hope he dies. Whatever the case, I hope he gets crushed by yeah, some giant. Uh, Thing, but I honestly now I see I can see him living to the right. end and being like, "What am I supposed to do now? The papas are over and the world is saved." Blah 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 blah. blah. It's like, go kill yourself for all I care. You suck. You're a horrible character. You're worse than Ichigo. Go away. I think they'll go. Wow, you still better against Ichigo. I thought she's redeemed herself by now, and everyone. Yeah, she's kind of redeemed herself. She it's more a, like they kind of just like swept it under the rug, and they're like, eh. Yeah, but uh, yeah, he definitely is an asshole. Like I would consider him worse than Papa's. Mm -hmm. I know it's not recent anymore, but like I won't say who it's from. But did the Yuri moment take you off guard? Like suddenly, like whoa, the Yuri moment happened between Ichigo and somebody. Yuri, or you said you sound like you sound like you. Oh right, yeah, Yeah, okay, I know what you're talking about. Because I was thinking like, yeah, because I was thinking at the time. This character's not got many scenes. Like, like out of all the characters, this character hasn't got much development or any scenes. Then she does get a scene, and like, whoa, this okay. Well, I guess that's how you give her some development. I mean, that suddenly. also explains a lot about her. And I was like, all right. I mean, I guess that, that explains it. I guess that's why she, you know, she's never been in like a meaningful relationship in the Franks before. But at the same time, it's like it doesn't work in a Franc with two girls. So. Maybe if it works with two guys, as implied with the Niner guy, 
Maybe but he he's not the... he's not getting boned in the ass. That's a girl piloting behind him. Wait, behind the yeah, you nine didn't guy? notice that the blonde dude. I thought it was. I thought that was nope. a guy's lower body. No, all the girls are piloting. The guys are the ones getting boned. Like all the guys, like the big guys and whatnot, they're all in the female position in the in their fronks in the nines, and all the oh. other characters are female characters. I didn't know that. I thought it was. I thought it was actually getting boned by another guy. So I thought it was like nope. two genders could do this. Two could do the fronks dance. No. No. Nope. Okay. All right. All That's right. why I say he's getting pegged. It's not getting. It's not getting rammed in the ass by another dude. He's getting. Some girls uh, strap on and taking him for a ride. Oh. Yep. Okay. Interesting detail. All right. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, let's see here. What else? Uh, Fire Emblem news. Yes. Did you get anything? Uh, I got a couple things. So you know how I said I fed my one female Tharja way back in the day to uh, my Christmas Tharja? Duh. I got a regular Tharja again. She's not the Tharsha? fucking wedding Tharja I wanted, but I was oh. going for red and I saw Tharja pop and I was like, oh, she's not the one I wanted, but whatever. It's still Tharja. <laughs> so I, I got yeah. a gold Tharja again, like nice, gold normal nice. Tharja. And I also got a gold um, Athena. Athena. Who is Athena? A-T-H-E-N-A. Uh, Athena's red it? red sword, borderland sword character. She's got like the... Um, ba, 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 ba. She's got like the blue oh, flower, oh, yes. flowery she's dress She's got the Russian accent. It's the Russian accent lady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one with like okay. the Russian look to her, like the darker skin. Yeah, no, it's, it's her accent. She actually speaks kind of like with her accent, and she speaks. If you if you've still got it set to English, she kind of has an accent. Uh, Japanese. Ah, right. Okay, never mind then. Okay, so you got her five star then, Athena. Nice. Yep. So I got both of those two five star. Um, Not too. Obviously, bad. I'm. St- I still want to get my hands on Wedding Tharja, but we're mm. in like. There's still time. There's still time. We got like. Let's see here. Uh, ten days. days. Oh, ten days. Right. That's ten days time left. for maybe one or two more draws. If like if you've got zero right now, that's about time for two more draws, depending on how many orbs you have harvest. At least one more draw, at the very least. Oh. But possibly. And two. they put out like some major changes to the game. Like yeah, they update that thing. You notice that? Yeah, yeah. You are you talking about like with the whole UI differences? And yeah, like the, the UI's changed now. Yeah. Everything's like more like, organized. They, they do this um, frequently. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's streamlined, and Mm -hmm. they also added more story. So there was more story campaigns. That means a new story banner came out, actually. So some new characters came out with that. What What do Mm -hmm. you think? What do you think of the new banner characters for this one? Nino. Uh, uh, I like the one who was kind of wearing the. uh, It's like she's like doing the like the cape over her shoulders thing. Um, the cape over her shoulders, like Batman. Uh no, like um. I'm trying let's to see here. Bring it up right now. Uh, is she got black hair or is it brown hair? Uh oh, those new characters. Uh, I like the black-haired character. Also, oh, the sword lady. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought I thought that uh, might be more up your street. Hmm. Because so, she's yeah. got like an oriental feel to her. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Not interested in Nino or the thief guy? Nah, I'm not. Like, I don't particularly have an interest in lollies to begin with, and the dude's a dude. 
That's true. He also doesn't really like appeal to me at all. It's just like he's meh. Like he doesn't even look like a cool ninja dude. Or have like yeah, a cool he's, ninja he's got name. A he's just like to him. Yeah. He's just like meh. So what what before we were talking about the girl, you know, this banner, what was the girl in the other banner you were talking about? Um shoot. The other girl I was talking about let's see here. me typing away here looking for this character so i can tell you who her name is um yeah. okay so she's a relatively she was kind of a new character yeah we're in a race here i'm racing oh uh, ishtar ishtar the thunder goddess oh Oh right, okay, yeah, yeah. She's got the white I hair. I really right. like her, um, right. her design. Like here, I'll mm -hmm. post it for everyone in chat. I don't see her in any of the um, banners at the moment, though. But, oh, you like her design? She yep. kind of is dressed like similar to Reinhardt. Is it the big shoulder pads? Uh, no. Like the cape reminded me of um, Lelouch. Uh, not Lelouch. Uh, another character that died for our sins, kind of anime character. Um, uh, I, you're thinking Gurren Lagan? You thinking? Yes, Ka Gurren Lagan. Fuck, what's his name? Ka Kaz Kaz Kaz. Ka Ka can't remember um, his name now. <laughs> uh, uh, know, Queen Anoi says she'd tap that. So there you go. Yeah, she's hot. An illicit material has left the building. Yeah, I also love her, uh, like her, like she's got like really big, long boots kind of thing. Uh -huh. I also like she's also got like if you notice her, like her feet that shoes stuff, like the design of that is almost like one of the fronks, <laughs> or like it kind it's of does like, look like a fronk, yeah, yeah, like the fronk like boots that they got, where it's yeah. just like honestly wearing that would be very difficult in battle, but like, yeah, it's a fantasy, it's a fantasy, man, like. Then it gets, you know, like, what's his name? Hawkeye goes in there completely shirtless. And, you know, sure he comes from the desert, but the snowy levels, that would be impractical. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. What else? Nobody um, does Zaldera. Not even those who play. I have nothing in my review queue right now, so I didn't do a review on Saturday. I, instead, I worked more on uh, some of the script for Nikaraya. Uh, I've been kind of putting that off because... I've just not really been getting to it. Um, not feeling it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just not feeling it. Um, aside from that, I think that's really about it. I mean, oh, uh, I'm on the waiting list for a uh, apartment. Oh, nice, nice, nice. Yeah, uh, the apartment I applied for at the uh, Blue Heron Trail Apartments, which is a uh, bird just so everyone knows what herons are. Um, mm -hmm. The Blue Heron Trail Apartments, it's a brand new apartments that were just built this year. Like, they're finished, uh -huh. all finished building and whatnot. They're brand spanking new, and uh, they're income-based housing. So if you make between a certain amount of money, uh, like make a certain amount and make less than a certain amount, then you get the apartment uh, with, a, uh, with some housing assistance. So... All you have to do is pay for rent, and they take care of the rest. 
Sounds like a pretty uh, sweet deal. Yeah, garbage or uh, garbage and sewer is taken care of. All you need to do is pay for your rent, your cable, and your electricity and gas, of course. So of course, yeah. it would be super strappy tight in my budget right now, but I may be getting a raise come my next mm-hmm. review um, so at the end of this month. For the foreseeable future, you're not actually buying the property. You're just you're you're renting it. Right? Yes, because right now I still live in my with my father. So absolutely, I'd like to move out on my own and be a free bird and yes, and stretch my wings and you know all those metaphors. Uh, yeah. But mainly, I just want to experience what it's like to live on your own, own own, like no one. Mm coming home and like greeting you or anything like that just completely alone no cats no dogs no fish nothing just just me i think it's a i think it's worthwhile experience for everybody to have at some point or another mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah yeah absolutely that's what i really want to do um yeah so yeah that uh that's something I hope you that's get it exciting anyway, on the waiting list oh yeah uh i'm on the waiting list and august is when i may find out um is when I may find out if I'm going to get on board. Mm-hmm. Okay. Fortunately, the way things are going to kind of go in, when I, if, I, if and when uh, I end up moving down to London, which might be the next big move, um, the rent there is so expensive that I will probably have to share with some random person. So not looking forward to that, but, you know. Yeah, and that's, that's kind of like the downside to these apartments is they're income-based, so it includes everyone who lives in the apartment. And for... Um, so that means even if you make a certain amount and a certain amount, it'll add up if you add more people to the place. So uh, I wouldn't be going for a duplex. I'd be going for the, or a duplex, a, uh, two apartments or uh, two apartments, two bedrooms, just going for the single bedroom so that I can afford it. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's, uh, everything about my IRL news right now. How about, uh, uh, you're just going to jump right into community, I'm guessing? Well, the one thing I was going to mention beforehand, I mentioned before the show, was that um, yeah, I had a quick glance at the NHR. Like, there, there's nothing really to report from my real life, but there's sort of an updated um, NHR announcement for the shows that are coming out next season. And so I was, I was wondering about what looks good or not. So I had a glance at that, at least. That's at least kind of relevant to the show. Um, obviously going to watch FLCL. Haven't got around to Philly Cooley just yet. Gonna watch uh, the Kaiji spinoff featuring Tony Gawa there. I I can definitely give a forewarning now that there's probably gonna be less previews from me. In fact, you might be able to uh, trump me in terms of amount of preview episodes you'll be doing next season, based on like when I had a look at this, I thought a lot of these I think look a little bit more up your alley. Would I be wrong in saying that, or you know what looks good to you? Fake news. It's fake news. Mm-hmm. Fake news. In case you said Trump. Oh, oh, I see. I'll I see. be, I'll be over here in, in the corner, just you know. <laughs> I had to, I had uh, to get imagine that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. footy cooty, I was interested in until I learned that it's, um, <clears throat> it's not got uh, yeah. Nauta yeah. in it so far. He's not shown up at all. Um, mm. it's just, it's kind of girls, and it's like even the main girls, not anyone I know. So, man, um, Overlord three. I definitely want to see that. Uh, uh, Yurigi Sono Yuna-san? Yurigi Sono Yuna, where is that? 
that one's about the dude who can see ghosts and gets possessed by ghosts since he was a kid and then he runs into like the really cute girl ghost oh yes yes i see it here all right so this is by studio zevic so that's one of the ones you're interested in yep um mm-hmm. i'll give it a look see uh isekai maoto shokugan shoujo no dorai machutsu i've been reading the manga of that which it's pretty amusing so yes. I'm honestly surprised it got an anime this soon. It's still mm-hmm. relatively new in terms of manga. Um, oh, okay. Backstreet Girls. Yes, you'll be watching that. Kind of. I'm going to give it a look-see to see how good it is. Um, mm-hmm. The art style is definitely questionable. But um, oh. yeah, it's kind of it's got a very like uh, shoujo feel to it. Um. Yeah. Yeah, I see that. It could so, just be I, the poster. Uh, well, I mean, I've I, seen I the oh, trailer, the and here, it's yeah, got that. It's still got that feel to it, so I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, high school or. Uh huh. A high score girl. Yes. Seems maybe I'll give it a look. See, just because, like, yes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's girl plays arcade games meets boy yep. plays arcade games. Like, okay, sure. Yep. I think like they, yeah they compete over who gets the high score and that's how they sort of meet and stuff and it looks like it could be a really good one actually. Uh, what do you think of Hyakure no Hao to Seiyaku no Valkyria? Um, that one looks really similar to some of the other previous isekai ish shows, but it looks a bit moeified. What do you think of that? Yeah, it's definitely moeified. Like looking at it, it's like this is Sword Art Online if it was just about moe. Or something like that. It's like yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll maybe I'll give it a look. See, it's got harem in it, fantasy. Yeah, sure. it looks like that. Yeah, that's what I was saying. So I was like, it looks like it might be up your alley, but at the same time, it looks a bit moeified. So I don't know if it's really if you'll like it as much because it looks kind of moeyish. Yeah, super moe. Um, Sunohara so no Kirin san. It seems like one will be one of those like really short kind of esque episode animes because it's a four coma manga um yeah. slice of life comedy but yes. i like it where it's like older onesan character and younger um you know like like i don't want to be treated like a girl anymore i want to be like a man and she's like i'll make you a man it's like i need an adult <laughs> so i am an oh, adult right, okay i need another adult <laughs> when i first saw this poster i thought it was another cute girls doing cute things sort of show even has no, the that's a dude tags, but that's a dude that's a dude in the middle there yeah, and he's actually complaining about like I don't want to be treated like a girl. I see. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> let's see here. What else we got? What else? I, is I there? figured you'd also maybe be interested in Ishichise no Subaru. Let's see here. Ichise Sibe no Subaru. Ichise Sibe no Subaru. Uh, looking around. Yep. Uh, not seeing. Not seeing it. No. Like no. A, like another isekai sort of show. Um, by Studio Lersh. Oh, uh, I was looking for an ishiche. It's a chise. Okay. Yeah, chise. Yeah. Maybe it, like the poster looks like it's gonna be a lot of drama. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's true. What it's like, about you know, Island? Then. girls and the girls mm. praying and stuff like that and yeah it kind of looks like a bit dudes. generic too with that yeah 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 what, what about it... island for you 
Island? Island. It's just called Island by Studio Feel. Because <laughs> it got feels. Um, it oh, sounds see. like it's uh, like it's got no tags here genre wise, but like the 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 synopsis, you know, seems like it's like oh, three tribes on an island and they've got three main girls and then a guy washes up on the shore. So it's like oh, that looks like they're setting up some sort of you know. Oh, island. Oh, okay, island, there it is. Yeah. Uh, it's like an island sci-fi drama. Ugh, drama. Is, it, is that what it says? Sci-fi drama. Yeah, sci-fi oh. drama. It's one of the main tags. Oh yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I may give just for shits and giggles, um, Zoids Wild a look see. Yeah, Zoids. Yeah. <laughs> just because. Tell me about it. Zoids was something I enjoyed yeah. as a kid, and if they're gonna make yeah. another Zoids, I'm kind of, I'm like, all right, it's twenty, it's twenty eighteen. Can they do another Zoids? Yeah. We, it'll be kind of a good reminder, maybe a good nostalgia trip, to see how that goes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's basically everything. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, so not as many for me uh, this season. I will probably be giving a lot of things an episode one go. Haven't fully uh, put everything together yet. I'll be giving things a lot of episode one goes just for funds, just like you, uh, with, with uh, Zoids. But uh-huh. I, I assume I'm probably going to drop most of them, but we'll see. I'm hoping for some pleasant surprises. Um, yeah. Okay. Cool, cool. Uh, and I guess I can move on from that to the community stuff. Mm-hmm. We got one comment first on the last episode of 560. Uh, the Killing Mystery no Kitaro, which is from Paltier. With a long time I've heard since I've heard from him. He said, Armed Forces Day active members. Veterans Day, prior service retired. Memorial Day, died while in service. All dis- all distinct days. Memorial Day, uh, the most important by far. Important to know that one is separate. The Scott I get not knowing that, but Fireworks Day Part 2, yikes. Is uh, Paul Tier's comment. <laughs> I-, I-, I guess uh, the more we know. I, I didn't really know like there are all these distinctions, but I, I guess there's that. We only really have Remembrance Day actually here in the UK that gets the most sort of focus when it comes to, you know, soldiers and stuff, and you know, war war focused Memorial Days. But yeah, UK thing. Uh, we got a response on Hollywood, the one I did last week about the anime you'd like to get remade. One more, one more response on that by Midnight Crew, who says, "I think a full remake of Higurashi no Nakukoro ni would be awesome. I'm a big fan of the original show, but as." With most Studio Dean productions, it has a tendency to look kind of janky a lot of the time. I'm not holding any hopes up for a remake to actually happen, though. It's a 50-episode show, and I doubt most studios would be willing to take the risk of investing in something like that. Yeah, this is a show I still haven't watched, but it's very influential, and, you know, a remake might be a good way to be like, okay, I can now experience it. Maybe they could cut it down from the 50-episode length by, like, about a half if they speed it up a bit. I don't know. I'm not sure what kind of show it is to... If they could compress it down, but there's that. Um, I, I think I reckon give someone else a chance, though, in this case. Um, and then this week's question is a bit more complex, but it was submitted to us by user Blackmagic44444. Um, and it's about how anime has changed over the years since the eras of 19 and the 90s and the 80s, you know, with it being more mainstream and accessible and all sorts of other changes. What kind of... Uh, uh, would you say are the positive and negative changes that have happened 
in terms of experiencing anime and how have you had to adapt to any of those changes was the question so our first answer comes in from zaldera which is a very big wall of text and thus i will try to summarize it in smaller because the, the the wall of text is too long but the tldr is a bit too short so i'm going to try and sum up each paragraph um the first one is basically about how um anime has become more accessible over the years sort of like how you know he just mentioned that i kind of answered part of the question myself when i said it um whereby you know first it came out uh he had to watch it like you know cantonese dubbed versions when he was a kid he went out of it for a while but he came back when dvds were being released there were then with the internet there's the unofficial sources that came up of course and then now things have moved on where you know you have things like crunchyroll which is pretty much became the netflix of anime before netflix itself started doing anime um then the next paragraph talks about the rise of the moe art style uh, that's prominent in anime you know um it can work in a certain series like slice of life type shows however many shows have attempted to jump on this bandwagon and replicate this sort of cutesy art style um even though it might not suit the overall perception of the show most uh, recently he cites examples such as high school dxd uh, dxd hero uh, going down this sort of moe blob route. And then the other thing he also mentions that's changed over the years is this push for CG animation over hand-drawn animation in anime. Um, there's a bit of concern, you know, technology is a good thing. There's a bit of concern that it's also just being used as a shortcut um, so that, you know, to, to save in time and in a way even it likes, likens it to sort of the way... Um, how anime these days they, they make a, a subpar version before they release it on blu-ray and um you know there's there's even a link here comparing like how blu-ray release compares to a tv release and he sort of sees it as the anime equivalent to loot boxes in the video game industry and dlc the same way where they don't release a product that's fully finished straight out of the box but yet you have to like wait and pay money to actually get the complete experience that's you know or perfect and then another thing is about polit politics as a uh, you know casual and hardcore fans clash over subjects and social issues depicted in anime i have seen that happen a lot more over the years as well myself i agree um also resulting in concerned citizens clamoring and continuing censorships of cartoons that we consume so it's talking about the contro controversies over uh, anime you know starting off in the uk for the appearance of some an anime i've never heard of urotsuki Kidoji, Legend of the Overfiend in the 80s, which brought anime uh, in the, into the mainstream in a rather negative fashion, because it gave people the impression that anime is this weird pornographic Japanese cartoon sort of shit. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then he says, this court case in 2014 shows a mass media, it still doesn't get, doesn't get it in regards to anime slash manga. And I argue they'll never really get it until, unless getting it made the money, you know. Um, I won't go any further in the subject as it will involve going further into the rabbit hole. That might take up more time. And as for having to adapt um, over the years, I had to adapt. I had to adult more and adulting is hard, especially when paying the bills and investing in other hobbies outside of anime, as well as having less free time to indulge in said hobbies. This means I've had to be more selective with what anime I watch and which physical releases I can buy. But I still keep an eye on the anime scene and I like to keep up with what's popular there. TLDR, and it's pretty much what I just said there, all is sort of rounded up. So that's uh, the abridged version of Zaldera's answer. Thank you very much for that. I still appreciate it. Uh, all the time it must have taken to write this miniature essay, so thank you. Next up is by Yotaru Vegeta, who comes in with the subject, War Has Changed. I'm glad somebody got the MGS reference I was trying to make uh, with the topic. 
uh, name, and he, he comes in with, I think the positives and negatives of the anime industry lie in accessibility. Sorry to sound like an old man. Sorry, not sorry. But if kids want to anime, it's very easy to binge on a moment's notice. Youth who had no, no income to spend on officially distributed content might decide to watch pirate streams of anything and everything, filling the pockets of nefarious parties who, I am guessing, don't funnel their ill-gotten gains back into the anime industry. I can't blame kids for going to pirates, especially when there are certain production companies who do not distribute their programs officially for foreign markets. If you want to watch a Ghibli movie, for example, you either have to purchase physical media, yeah, or head over to one of the few theatres showing Ghibli movies this year. In the age of instant media, this is a hassle for young folk. Why does Japan not get that you have to train your youth to support your products? Um, yeah, they, they're the kind of the, the slowest ones to act on that sort of thing. The, the, even like other companies, I've heard like voice complaints about um, how hard it can be to work with like, you know, this traditional Japanese, you know, either video game companies or, you know, anime companies as it concerns me when I, when I look it up in terms of news. So it's just very slow to move. It's just the higher ups, man. It's like it's the people at the bottom see the change. They see the shifting tides. But that just often is the case that the guys at the top just are very slow to move. And then the last answer comes in. Oh, by the way, thank you for that. The last answer comes in on this page from Queen Inoue, who says, Anime uh, being more accessible is definitely one of the biggest positive changes. Also, animation quality has gotten better over time. Look at the um, anime from the old days and anime from today side by side, and the quality of the medium has improved. Short and sweet. And I agree with that for the most part, actually. There's, there's... There's a certain, like, in general, like, the overall average quality, I, I do agree, has improved in an aesthetic frame-by-frame frame level as well as some smooth animation. But there, there's some there's some stuff from the, the good old days. Don't want to sound like an old man too much, but, you know, that's still, uh, has aged like a fine wine today. It's just, mwah. But anyway, I'll get on from that, from the community answers. Thank you very much. Red, how about you take us away, or Joseph, sorry, uh, with what you feel has changed and how you've had to adapt. I definitely agree that there's been a lot of moification with yep. uh, anime these days. Um, the sharp, you know, jutting lines of the old masculine-esque anime have softened and contorted into cutesy anime girls doing cutesy anime things. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, cute girls doing cute things. Yeah. Moy blob. Yeah, moy blob. Um... And I think that, you know, appeals to a vast, I don't want to say majority, I'd say a vast swath of anime fans, um, not just in Japan, where, you know, Love Live is like almost a religion now. Oh, I'd say, I'd, like, I'd, almost give, I'd almost give idol shows their own category, because they're like a phenomenon in, them, in themselves. I feel like they're like a wave that came like a subgenre that came out after the initial Moe Blob explosion, where it's like idol shows are now here and there. First it was Love Life, then Idol Master, and now like there's a bunch of shit that's trying to still, you know, uh, kitty back off that craze. Yeah, beat say. the same drum. Yeah, beat the same drum. So like, I think idol shows almost has its own like spin off sort of thing where everybody's wanting to get a piece of that cake. Yeah, it's, uh, it's popular, and so you make more of it. Um, yeah. I do think, like, as of late, there's been a lot of like, to, into another world kind of anime um uh -huh. oh you know, yeah just like isekai holy shit it seems like everyone wants to escape from this world and letting yourself dissolve into the animation 
and the story of another world where, you know, a generic male character, generic female character is something that you can put yourself in the position of and like, oh, now I am in a world full of cat girls and magic and I don't have to deal with politics and the living wage and stuff like that. Um, I also want to interject there that also from a writer's perspective, it's easier for them to produce. Because if you think about it, if you write something that takes like real world drama, you got to look up shit in our real world and have to, you know, to make things feel genuine and well realized, you have to read and look things up and research. But if you make your own world, you can make your own rules and shit as a writer. So you don't have to research as much. Kristen, like you're like, what's the money called? It's called Zenny. Zenny, it's called gold. It's called It's called gold. Gold, gold so, but, as big as your fit. Yeah, yeah. Gold, Sorry. oh, gold it's, member. Yes. <laughs> so many, uh, so many different. Or it's just like, ah, oh, it's not very clever, but okay, we'll do. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> no, getting teleported into a video game where it's just like you die in the mm-hmm. game, you die in real life. Yeah, it's 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 getting to that point where even like SAO's re-referencing that all the time. It's just like okay, move on, <laughs> like move on. Even Gungill references that. Oh, anyway, sorry. You you were kind of continue with your answer about um things that change. Well, yeah, I mean that's really that's all I've seen is how tropes get used and used and used and they get overused and. Yep. You know, it's kind of a. It's almost like a biorhythm where it goes up and it goes down. It goes up and it goes down. And oh, you yeah, know, yeah. it follows mm-hmm. a certain circular pattern where last year during this time, you know, like, oh, maybe anime idols were really popular. So this year during this time, it's going to be more anime idols. And last year during next season, like there was like at least one fantasy harem anime that did really well well now there's another fantasy harem anime that's coming out and it may do really well and it just seems like that's become like the norm where it's just rinse and repeat yeah sort of like how yeah yeah, i know what you mean where it's like this emphasis on certain story beats and they become there's other people trying to catch that wave while it's still up and stuff yeah yeah i can't say that that that, uh it does bad i mean even think about like uh, Monogatari. Yes. Mm-hmm. Is it Monogatari? It's Monogatari. Yeah, yeah, Monogatari. Yeah, yeah, Monogatari. Yeah. No, not Monogatari. Uh, damn it. Um, shoot. Uh, uh, what? Oh. Uh, You're not talking about Wakamote. How are we pronouncing it? Wakamote. What? Oh, Watamote. Watamote. Thank you. Yeah. Um. That has been done before, like the office romance stuff. There's been oh, anime no. like that. <laughs> Sorry. No, that's, that's uh, Wotaku or Wotakai. Yes, Wotaku, Wotakoi. Watamote is the loser girl. Watamote is the lizard girl. No, loser girl. The one that is. Oh, loser girl. The mojo yeah. girl. Right. Okay. I thought that's what it was. And I was like, oh, no, he must be. Uh, he must know what he's talking about. No. I'm the one who's inebriated here. Uh, the office one is, is Wotakoi or Wotaku. Wotakoi, which. Oh, yeah. by the way, did you see the latest episode? I haven't. Is it good? It was all right. Um, <laughs> had some pretty funny moments just because like they do their date and it's like they both are like, all right, we're not going to talk about otaku stuff. And if we do, we have to play a penalty or for a penalty fee. And it's just <laughs> they keep talking about it every now and then. And it's like, 
penalty <laughs> and like hey can we can, how about we get rid of this and he's like penalty <laughs> <laughs> yeah he i bet he'd take it very seriously the guy oh he does try to but then like he'll say something video game related and she's like penalty penalty and he's like damn uh, it she got him. yeah mm-hmm. he even he can't escape and right. i really i like i agree 100 percent with something that um the senpai female says crap i can't remember oh. her name uh yeah i boobs. know what you're talking about the girl with the glasses yes. yeah yeah, yeah and the boobs um where she's like it's frust it's uh i feel impatient watching you too i get the same way where it's like he goes to grab her hand but then he like retracts the last second when she turns around it's like just grab her hand man you two are dating you should be doing Ooh. that more a little bit more than that considering how long you've known each other mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in some ways that can make it harder though i can imagine because they're so and used you, to the state school. And the other thing I've noticed is, you know that little, like, dance they do at the beginning of the OPs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you notice what they're wearing, it looks like they're wearing the, they're doing the stereotypical, like, oh, we just had sex, we're wearing each other's, or we're, I'm wearing his, like, big shirt kind of thing. I it looks like that, and it's almost that, like, yeah, I wonder if, I, it almost yeah. feels like they're FaceTiming each other, and they're just like, we just had sex, and then they're just like, I just had sex. It's just, oh. oh, okay. Open I'd be okay with that. Many interpretations. <laughs> it just seems like that. Like they're both like they're like dan- they're doing like some silly dance off, like they did a FaceTime of, and it's just like, mm-hmm. yeah. See, like look at that. She looks like she's wearing his his sh- like one of his shirts almost. Yeah, kinda. Yeah, I could I could kind of see that. Yeah, mm-hmm. just looking at it here. Also, that dance is still death. fucking... I don't skip the OP just before that. I mean, I love the song as well, but that dance there, every time it comes, I'm like, yes, yes, it's, it's here. Yes, it's here. <laughs> you learned all the moves yet? You learned you learn it? Hmm. Yeah. I have attempted many times, mm-hmm. but uh, I've not gotten it down. Not nearly mm. as well as I am. I do the little, like, the dog thing or the wolf fox thing that he does with the hand puppet. Yeah, but like everything else, like the other one I can do is like the brushing hair one. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. But like the different movements, where like they're moving and stuff, and I I can't. I I would need a different partner to help. <laughs> to to help break the ice a bit and make it feel a little bit less like a oh moment, right? Yep. Uh, so what 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 have you had to change? You, I think you you said you said you may have an answer for that part too. Like, have you had to change to adapt? Or yeah, I've had to. I've had to be. Back in the day, I would give everything a watch. I'd be like, oh, this and this and this and this and this. I've definitely had to like refine my taste. It'd be like, all right, let's take a look here. Right. Looking at the description, mm-hmm. it's not something I'll be interested in. Uh, mm-hmm. That genre is not for me. Uh, the animation's not for me. Uh, and sometimes I do end up going back to anime that I've done that to. And it's like, wow, how, why did I skip this? This is great. That's great. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Honestly, if I didn't do that, I'd be watching like 12 anime a season. Yeah. I guess it's also a sign of experience. I mean, you've been watching it for quite a long time whereby, you know, you can maybe much more easily grasp. Okay. I'm probably going to like this. There's like an 80% chance I'll like this, you know? When you've watched as much anime as you probably have. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the only thing I'd add, because the other stuff has been sort of mentioned by um, Zaldera, as well as like the CG and stuff, and that, you know, the lack of hand-drawn stuff, as well as like Moe art style. So I won't mention those again. But the only thing I'll also mention that I think has also changed over the years is I think pacing has severely changed over the years in terms of anime. People are a lot less tolerant towards things such as filler um, in their anime or heavy filler content. So, like, you know, it's much more common for um, series to release in 12-episode chunks as opposed to 24 episodes. Because normally you have, like, the the A part of your story and the B part at the very end. And then in between those 24 episodes, there'd be sort of filler-ish sort of episodes to sort of pass the time and get you integrated with the characters. And then, like, the big crisis happens at the end and they all get together at the 24th episode. Nowadays, you know, episodes now release in more likely 12 episode chunks, so the companies can be like, okay, let's let's see how, let's test the watchers. Did, did they like it? Did they like it? Okay, well then we're going to greenlight another 12 episodes, and that seems to be sort of the way things are going. And I feel like because of the, the sort of way they space out the release of anime nowadays, um, people also, because there's so much access to anime out there right now, um, they all have to try and fight for your attention a lot more, I think, than they used to. Because uh, now, you know, back in back in my day, uh, I'd watch any anime I could get my hands on, but um, now it's like, you know, I, I'll much more easily drop shows because of how limited time is and everything and how many shows are trying to vie for your attention. So I feel like almost like reflecting that, shows these days have to kind of pace themselves where like you watch some old shows and um, they take ages for sometimes for things to actually really get going or the main plot to show its face, you know. I guess this is well sort of um, demonstrated by, like, the remakes of shows such as, like, even, like, Sailor Moon or, you know, um, any other remake that's happened. I don't know, like, I guess you could say Dragon Ball Kai, I suppose, so that comes to mind in comparison to Dragon Ball Z, you know, where they've completely cut out all the filler and stuff. Um, so, yeah, I'd say that that's one thing I think has severely changed as well. I could you know I already mentioned the animation side of things, that in general it sort of has, we've seen a much bigger improvement in those sorts of fields. But sometimes I, I do find myself missing the traditional 2D feel for some of the older shows out there. Um, might be able to talk a bit more about that when it comes to my preview later, actually. But yeah, uh, I think that's all that I, I could add to that. Everyone else mentioned the other stuff I was going to say. And as for changing, no, I just watch more anime than I used to actually nowadays, since, especially since I joined the show. So that's all I've had to change. All right. Uh, yeah, uh, I think we should probably get into our industry news then, since we got quite a few pieces of news to talk about. All right. You got All right. Two pieces, so, I got two pieces. So. Yeah, so I'll kick things off first. Uh, I recently saw a bit of news here. Um, uh, one of the anime that's going to be coming out next season. Uh, basically, it's uh, it caught my eye. It's the Backstreet Girls one. Uh, the thing about it is that it's, uh, I guess it's some Yakuza thugs that get gender reassignment surgeries to become idols. Uh-huh. Um, from what I can tell from the preview I watched, the PV... Um, the, the Yakuza messed up big time and they're talking to their boss and they basically like, Oh, we're so sorry, boss. Give us another chance. He's like, all right, I'm going to give you one more chance. And they're like, Oh, thank you so much. And he's like, you're all going to become idols. And they're like, huh? And then the next scene, they have all been reassigned their genders into girls, like cute idol girls. And 
of course, there are still guys on the inside, so, like, they're, like, drinking heavily and smoking, and they're, like, looking kind of depressed about their current situation, and, like, like this isn't what I've wanted to do. And, and they're not just, like, like, the Yakuza are, like, an older, like, you know, masculine men kind of look to them. And then, like, the girls that they get transformed into aren't, like, the same age. They also look younger. Yeah. So... I'm a little like a little worried about that where it's like uh, it may be beautifying the process of gender reassignment because it ain't that easy. Yeah, I, I was going to say, you know, um, Zaldera brought that up in this forum topic about how, you know, people get more political about anime these days. And I'm wondering if that's going to kick up a fuss about, you know, like you say, gender reassignment surgery and stuff and the process. You know, it may be considered insensitive to some people out here. So I don't know. Um that's a possible concern. I don't know. It really depends on how they play it, really. Yeah, and uh, people have been making kind of like uh, the tw you know the Twitter feeds from the feedback on it. It's basically been like, oh, wow, it's going to be funny. Same studio that made Prison School. And some people are like, oh, oh. gross. Like, I am not into this at all. Um, I never here it is. And, like, some of them are saying, like, I don't like that it makes light of gender reassignment. Ah, um, so it's already happened. <laughs> And then, like, one person's like, oh, the new Love Live looks great. <laughs> so mm -hmm. topical. <laughs> yep. Wow. Okay. Um, so you say you might check that out? You're just going to give it, like, one episode a look or something? or? Yeah, I'm going to give it a couple episodes a look. We'll see where it goes. Okay. Um, you know, right. I'm not completely into the whole thing, but there's something about it where, like, in the trailer, they also show, like, as idols, they now have, like, a manager, and the manager seems like your typical, like, producer kind of guy where he's, like, very nice to them and whatnot, and it almost seems like they fall for him. <sighs> so, like, you know, like, as guys, like, they're like, oh, we're guys, we're gonna be guy guys, and they get turned into idols, and like, oh, we're still guys on the inside, but then, like, they start falling in love with their producer? It just seems like that, like they're going to or maybe they refer to him as like their new boss or something like that. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, so there's that. It's coming out next season. So exciting stuff. Yep. It's, it's, Comes it's, out next it's, month. It's, yep. Refreshing concept, perhaps. We'll see what how it turns out. And I look forward to seeing the possible, you know, grab some popcorn and see what possible drama ensues from it, too. So I just like to watch. Um, okay, I guess moving on, I got some, some bad news. Um, the anime studio production company, I, production IMS, has gone bankrupt, unfortunately. There were, um, claims from the animators last year in December, I believe, that, um, the studio wasn't paying them. And, you know, this, this led to people f speculating about financial troubles, and it's now been confirmed in a tweet, apparently, from them. Uh, they're notifying their animators that they have filed for bankruptcy, and unfortunately, the you know the you know I guess it's kind of a set in stone now, finally on the coffin. Which uh, the company was founded apparently in twenty thirteen by former AIC staff. I I don't know which company that was, um, and their focus has mainly sort of been in the etchy sort of comedy sort of side of things. Um, some of the work that gets mentioned here is. Uh, the Testament of Sister New Devil, Castles, Castletown Dandelion, Gonna Be the Twin Tail, High School Fleet, and Maso Gakuen HXH. 
And by the way, the Testament of a Sister New Devil Departures is was the last um, anime under the studio's name, uh, and it was also their longest running series. I haven't seen any of the shows I listed above there except for I think I did try an episode of Gonna Be the Twin Tail. I, I actually am still in the middle of that actually, but I've I've kind of put it on hiatus because it was it was alright. But you you've had more experience with their works. You sad to to hear them go. I mean, you know, being a uh, harem, a follower of the harem animes, uh, you know, it's kind of a kind of a sad day, where mm-hmm. like they put out some decent quality harem animes, um, and uh, you know, sister sister of the New Testament Devil that was pretty okay, and uh, they did Hundred, which I didn't really get into just because it was censored, but uh, you know. It, caught my eye and i was interested in it when it first came out and like then of course the censorship showed up but hey it was still uh-huh. okay yeah yeah mm-hmm. maybe you'll check it out like sometime in the future and be like well now i'm even more sad that they're gone potentially but then again yeah. if the anime did well enough it'll be picked up by another studio mm-hmm. all right so yeah that's that's pretty much all i gotta say about that one sad to see them go um, that's about it. How about your next piece, I guess? Well, my next piece of news here is actually a bit about, uh, salaries. So, uh, I talked before about how I kind of make, you know, I make a pretty meager wage, you know, about $25,000 a year. Um, uh-huh. they, uh, recently released the salary of Japan's number one young cosplayer, a yeah. uh, female by the name of let's see here, uh, Ura Maru. Uh, that's of course her, not her real name, but uh, Ura Maru is how she goes by. Uh, <clears throat> and according to the program that uh, found this out, uh, Ura Maru earns about ten thousand yen per minute for a photo session, plus an additional one thousand yen for two-shot checks. So that's about $100 for a photo session and about $10 for a two-shot check. Uh, Even though her price is high, uh, people say that a photo with Uramaru is worth even more than 10,000 yen just because of how perfect her cosplays have uh, been revealed to be. Yeah. Um, And they're saying that uh, during the day of recording... Uramaru earned about 277,000 yen, which is about $2,500, including photo ops and merchandise. Uh, Uramaru pockets between 20 to 30% of her sales, which is pretty low. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when I put my book out, I was earning about 70%. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know if that's like a good deal or not, but it seems like it's pretty low. She mm. schedules about two to three photo op sessions every month and also makes radio appearances and designs characters. Designs Amoeba characters. TV oh. yeah, also checked out Uramaru's home in Tokyo. She rents an average size room with a kitchen for about 85,000 yen a month, which is about $775. Her closet is, Whoa. of course, brimming full of costumes. But uh-huh. otherwise, she lives a pretty modest life, subsidizing on cup, cup ramen. So, she is uh, she's uh, making ends meet, as we would say. Oh. Yeah, uh, yeah. 
Yeah, the program revealed that at the end of the day, all things considered, Uramaru's monthly income is about 300,000 yen, or about $2,700. She is signed with an agency, so even if her merchandise sales and her photo ops don't, you know, constantly come, she's still at a mostly fixed salary, so she'll earn that $27,000 a month no matter what. And comparatively, you know... I make on monthly, I make roughly about $2,100 a month. So she makes about, you know, $600 more than I do a month. Then again, you also have to factor in the fact that she has to do a lot of photo ops and she's basically eating on pennies, uh, like cup ramen. Like that's how she lives her life. Like I still go to Subway. I spend money on tons of things like, when I look at someone like that who is like so popular, has like a ton of fame and is very well known, and she makes pennies on the dollar as compared to someone like myself who does work a full-time job from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. I have to wake up at 6 in the morning, but honestly, I get to spend a lot of that money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I, I still have other things to pay. I still have a rent to pay. I still have to help out with electricity and gas and, and food. And I pay for all my own groceries and, you know, I, I still go out to eat. And if I want to, I can go see a movie or buy a video game. It doesn't really hit me hard. So it, yeah, I just yeah. want to, you know, point out that even as a, you know, Japan's number one cosplayer, she's still making, she's still not making bank really. I'd yeah. have to say Especially there's a, there's no retirement for those who dream of in that. Like, yeah. It's, it cuts past the glamour that you might get for being like, oh, really popular, so you're really rich. Not necessarily. Yeah. There's yeah. no 401k in her future. Mm. Like that That's yeah. something that she'll have to do until a certain point in her life where she's going to have to realize that I can't keep doing this. I need to find a job that's going to have money enough to let me live my life as a retiree. Of course, I don't know how it works in Japan. They may have their own different system when it comes to retiring. Right. Um, I, I mean, the, our best, I guess her best hope is, uh, you know, hoping that the agency she signed under, under can convert her into some sort of other jobs and connections that they may have, you know, if they can get her into like a fast track into like a Seiyu role, she might be able to upgrade a bit more, you know, that sort of thing. But, you know, as it is right now, it's, I, I mean, I guess it's a foot in the door, at least if, if she signed in officially for an agency and there's some stability there, but yeah, you're right. Maybe she... Won't be able to keep on it for at least for, for you know on this alone at least for the foreseeable future. Yeah. You know? Yep. Our truths. Um. Okay. Well, I've got a bit of uh to juxtapose the sad news about a company closing down. I've got a bit of happier news here, and that if you're a fan, especially if you're a fan of the Moe Fran- the Moe show to start the Moe show craze, I suppose one of the shows of recent memory, which was K on. Um, it helped pioneer this whole genre that came out, you know, by Kyoto Animation back in the day. And it had its original manga series um, published through... Um, wait, yeah, okay. Published through Ma- Manga Times Kirara July issue, they announced that they were going to be a spin-off called K-On Shuffle. The mangaka goes by the name Kakifly. <laughs> I like to call it Kakifly. Um... And this is going to be a spin-off of the same sort of series, but it's not going to feature the returning cast of Yui and the rest of the um, 
original light light music club members, you know, like your Azusas and your Mios and your Ritsus and your Moogies. But it'll be a brand new band. Um, as the announcement reveals, this is going to be a new musical movement. The focus of this looks like on the cover to be on the drummer instead of the guitarist, which I guess is an interesting thing as the I find the drummer tends to be the most under underappreciated band member a lot of the times when it comes to these things. So I think it's a good touch to have. Um, and it also, what's his name? It will be happening in the magazine's next issue. So basically, K-On Shuffle will debut inside the August edition of, um, I can't remember the name of it again. <laughs> Kirara, sorry. Uh, manga, okay. it, it didn't re- re- reveal any further details about the new manga though, so um, I guess expect more information on it next month. Um, but, you know, it does end with the, <laughs> the text like, you can definitely expect that there'll probably be a heavy dose of the moe cute girls doing cute things that Keon is known for after all. So, there is that. Um, I also look forward to the inevitable anime adaptation that will probably happen. I mean... I'm not sure if it will be picked up by Kyoto Animation anymore, so maybe it won't be as good, who knows. But yeah, that, that ends that announcement. Okie dokie. Yep. I believe that brings us to our last hybrid show of the of this season, which just yeah, in time too, because yeah. right around the corner we got some, we got summer. Yep. Which, you know, there's a lot of summary anime in that, so, you know, they're already yeah, so animes we'll, already, their bodies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, we'll be back to previews oh, yeah. in just a moment. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, I got uh, one anime here I'll be reviewing, and you got two you're previewing, so why don't you get us on a roll? Okay. So, um, well, it's uh, been a preview pack season for me personally, but I'm happy to bring it to a close with Listener Appreciation Week, which nicely shortens down to law. For those who don't know, that is the when I close off a seasonal coverage of shows recommended by you, the listeners, with today's first serving brought to us by user GetOffice, or how he slash she is known on the forums, Death God. It's actually a remake of a show I've heard legends about in the community, that being the Legend of the Galactic Heroes. When I first came across this though, I didn't recognize it by its Japanese title and didn't make the connection until it was far into the first episode. This is partially due to the fact that I hadn't got around to watching the 1980s classic, but perhaps this was a good thing as it allowed me to experience this with fresh eyes and no expectations going in. Strangely, this anime encourages from the very beginning that you do not compare it to the original version anyways, as the opening sequence depicts an old early 1900s style setting with ornate castles, ballrooms, and a horse-drawn carriages, juxtaposed to spaceships flying overhead, and during which you get a narration to the tune of If the events and characters bear any resemblance to anything you know, it is merely a coincidence or an inevitability. Uh, Watching that a second time, it felt kind of sad, actually, like a plea from the production itself to go easy on it, but okay. Um, Next is the opening, which I don't really have much to comment on besides listen to the opening and look up the song Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now by Starship. It's pretty uncanny and all I heard during the chorus. Anyways, uh, big big bit of backstory given by narration, but here's all you really need to know. There are three main powers in our galaxy, the Galactic Empire, the Free Planets Alliance, and the Dominion of Fezan. The first two have been at war for 150 years, and our story begins at the turning point of the conflict 
following the rise of two figures from both sides. There's the ambitious and tactical mastermind, Reinhard von Lohengram uh, from the Empire, and the more reserved yet wise beyond his years, Yang Wen Li, from, uh, representing the Alliance. This episode, however, focuses almost exclusively on Reinhardt's perspective in the battle that would later be known as the Battle of Astarte. The situation begins with the Empire at a severe disadvantage. The Alliance outnumbers them and have split into three smaller groups in an attempt to encircle and trap Reinhardt's fleet. Still, despite the disapproval of the other ship captains and lieutenants, he holds on to his resolve and decides to stage a swift attack on the enemy's middle fleet, as each of the three groups are smaller than the Empire's individually. The attack is successful as the commanders of the Alliance are confused and in a panic about this unexpected manoeuvre made worse by how Reinhardt has also sabotaged their communications. All seems to be going swimmingly for Reinhardt, his enemies in complete disarray, until he hears a voice coming over communications of a new man taking charge over the remaining Alliance ships. Not paying he further heed, Reinhardt decides to charge straight in further through the centre of the enemies in a spindle formation before he stands from his throne um, on his ship and looks puzzled. Although they are definitely winning, something is wrong and he feels it. The episode closes off with a shot from behind um, a, a shot behind the person who gave that voice announcement from earlier. The figure is putting on a soldier's beret, uh, who is of course Yang Wing Li, the, the, the opposition from the Alliance. And that's pretty much the episode in a nutshell, really. So, how was my first impressions? Uh, to be honest, I was a bit bleh when watching this. It wasn't really bad by any means, but I did find it to be pretty dull overall, actually. At the centre of the events here is Reinhardt, and he is characterised quite effectively here. We get a pretty clear picture of him, that he is idealistic, determined, and insightful about those around him. He also doesn't respect easily due to his interactions with his subordinates, which is juxtaposed um, with his informal attitude towards his confidant and best friend and soon-to-be fellow Fleet Admiral Siegfried, Siegfried Kirkheis. So I'd probably say that it's it's those aspects that are the strongest with this episode and I felt it's also where I felt that there was the strongest pulse from it. What I'll also compliment is the CG. The shots of the spaceships flying and shooting and deploying what um, fighters is decent as well as the 3D projections that the characters are viewing during the battle. Still, to me, that is all decoration. In an episode where we're keeping track primarily with those that are in command as opposed to the actual soldiers, it's hard to feel as gripped by the details of the battle rather than just seeing it as just spectacle, really, for spectacle's sake. To me, that is all uh, filler in comparison to the political and character drama between the strong-willed individuals on display here. The show did not prompt me um, to... F the show did actually prompt me into finally checking out the original, and while I've decided that comparing the two in depth is unnecessary and perhaps even unfair for the purposes of a preview, at least I can say that my preferences do lie with the 1980s version so far, with its pilot achieving a higher degree of world building within its allotted time over the 2018's tunneled vision focus on just one side of the conflict. It is a key example of how despite being a, a visual medium, what looks better isn't always the end-all be-all, uh, just food for thought though. While I'm on the subject, I do want to add that the 2D aspects of the show aren't exactly stellar for 2018. Uh, like the rest of the show, it's by no means bad, mind you, but there were the odd moments where characters, particularly the extras in the background, seemed like unblinking mannequins. Otherwise, it's serviceable, really, and I think that about rounds up my impressions, actually, leaving episode 1 of Legend of the Galactic Heroes, the new thesis-encounter. 5 out of 10, needs work.
I, I guess I'll keep on watching it eventually. <laughs> I, I should probably add that in because it's preview. Five out of ten, it needs work. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, I, I will say I definitely knew of the, uh, anime, so, I don't know. Uh, it, it it's old. Like I don't know if you've taken a look at some, like some of the animation for that thing. Or... Oh, for the Ooh. older one, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, oh, I yeah. checked it out because of this. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's it's, uh... it's very old looking, but you know, it has a charm to it. Uh, there was a thing where like the spaceships are all hand drawn, you know, and there's well, everything was hand drawn. It's like there yeah. was no CG back then because CG didn't yeah. exist. <laughs> yeah, so it's like it's it's less dynamic with all the action, but you know, there's there's a, there's a sort of charm to it, and and like I said, the focus isn't really on the spaceship battles; it's on the people behind the spaceship battles. So, I think it, it gets away with it quite well, you know. And a lot of world building happened in episode one, but you know. I thought I would save direct comparisons too much for like any potential review in the future. But you know, I, I'm definitely gonna keep on watching the old one. Um, and I might watch the new one just for review's sake in the future. I'm not sure. Have you have you watched uh, the other version, by the way? Have you watched the old version? Uh no. Uh, I just knew of it. I have not actually watched it before. It's kind of like I've known of uh what was that one about the train in outer space? I know what you're talking about, but I haven't. I can't remember the name. If it's like somebody knows something, Express, Galactic Express, or something like that. I know exactly what you're talking about too, but I haven't seen it. Um, I don't know. Galaxy Express might be. <laughs> even if you get the name right, I probably. A Galaxy know. Express nine nine nine. Oh, that's what it's called. There you go. Thanks, Al. Yeah. So it. It had the same kind of style to it as that Daft Punk series that came out did, and I loved the Daft Punk series. And I was like, "Oh yeah, man, that like that whole thing was really cool and had really good music." And I was like, "Oh, they did their own. The animation's also done by that studio. Did this anime?" I was like, "All right, well, let's see here." Um, that doesn't really interest me, mm-hmm. but it had that same kind of feeling. So that's why I, back when I was looking at that, I was like looking at a lot of old anime, and that's why I came across Legend of the Galactic Heroes. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool, cool. Right. Um, I'd still recommend if you ever felt interested checking out the older ones so at the moment, but you know. Yeah, alright. Yeah. I, I would, yeah. But it's quite long. It's over 100 episodes, so maybe you wouldn't have time for now. I don't know. I'm, I'm slowly chucking through it. Mm. Well, speaking of long, this show's running long, so let's get to my okay. review. <laughs> alright. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I got uh, Overlord 2, mm-hmm. or uh, sure Overlord Season 2, as it were. Um, mm-hmm. There have been a few teleported to another world anime that have stuck home with me since I was introduced to the genre by Isekai no Sekishi Monogatari, my favorite anime ever. Some still remain in manga form, but of those that have been animated... Only one delved into making the main protagonist a non-human villain. I am, of course, speaking of Overlord, where the anime follows the actions of an undead lich who was once a lonely human preparing to witness the end of a video game he had spent a lot of his life on. In the first season, we are introduced to the major characters, learn much about the world that this takes place in, uncover some plot points that are clearly meant to be expanded upon, and are treated to some pretty rad conflicts. I had already guessed that this season would eventually show up, but here it is. 
However, did it meet my expectations or fail miserably? Well, the beginning couple of episodes don't really strike home, being rather messy. There's a whole host of new characters shown on screen, many of whom we actually never see again. But they still are hinted at being rather important characters to the overall story. For example, we have this conversation between an old woman and a dragon that shows us that the dragon has once fought Shaltir, the lolly vampiris who came close to being one of my favorite characters last season. Yet, this is the only time we ever see these characters, not even coming up in any future dialogue. Will we see more of them? Possibly. I mean, it feels like another season would be an obvious decision to give these episodes more gravity, but I worry that there's not enough written content to put out another full season. So if there is one coming, we may have to be waiting a couple years. Then again, it's coming out next month, so haha. <laughs> the messy introduction doesn't stop there, though. As we change to focus on a Lizardman clan, this bit of story goes on for several episodes and centers around a wizard lizard man named oh, sorry, wizard, a warrior lizard man named uh, Zarasu. We watch as he unites several clans to face off against a powerful enemy that will soon be bringing death upon them, eventually learning that this enemy is none other than Ainz. The whole thing felt like a bit of filler, considering the Lizardmen never stood a chance against Ainz and Crocutus as he personally dealt with them. I mean, they even had a romance form between Zaudusu and Lulu, a lizard woman who was able to convince Ainz to resurrect Zaudusu after being killed by Crocutus. I guess, if anything, this arc was to show us that Ainz's guardians are evolving to make decisions for themselves, something that Ainz himself is happy with, likely because he doesn't want to have a bunch of NPCs to micromanage. After shaking off the inundation of characters and awkward lizard man sex, yes, they do show that, we finally get to what I would consider to be the good clang clang part of the season. The focus changes to the city where Ainz had Sebast, Tian and Solution reside, as Sebas, thinking upon the teaching of his former master, Lord Touchme, saves a human female named Turare from near death and has her work for him as a maid. Solution, being a slime, hates this course of action that Sebas has taken, to the point she actually goes back behind his back to inform Ainz that she thinks Sebas may be going to betray Ainz. But a test of faith proves her suspicions are for naught, and that all this is going on is that Turare and Sebas have begun a romantic relationship. Have I mentioned that uh, Sebas is fucking awesome? Because he's fucking awesome. <laughs> the second half of the focus is the battle between the Eight Fingers, a crime syndicate that earns his, earns Ainz's ire after abducting Turare, who had become a maid of Nazarek upon his approval, and orders their destruction. This goal is undertaken by multiple parties, one of which is the princess and her loyal bodyguard, Climb. This group caught my eye in particular due to the princess being a major yandere for Climb, 
going as far to send him to the most dangerous places in hopes that he will be severely hurt and require her constant care. She normally puts on the facade around others, but eventually reveals her darker side to her half-brother and Marquise, who colluded with her to deal with the Eight Fingers. And let me tell you, boys, this girl has one of the darkest yonderday personalities I have seen. Even I was caught off... Yeah. Hmm? Yeah, even I... Yeah, even I was caught off guard by the changes in her expressions, where one moment it's just like, oh, she's, you know, happy-go-lucky princess, and then, like, you know, you turn around and, like, they cut back to her, and, like, she's got this, like, really just, like, I'm gonna hope to see you dead someday so that I can have your ashes in my sarcophagus as well, or something like that, and it's just, like, (laughs) yeah, it just makes you shiver whenever she looks at, like, sometimes. Oh, boy. I do wish her well in her efforts with climb, however. Nothing <laughs> says love like chaining someone to your bed. Does Klein reciprocate at all? Uh, he definitely loves the princess, but I definitely don't think he knows about her dark personality. He'd do anything for her in the sense that he's almost like her dog, and she loves that, where she's just like, he's so cute like a puppy. I just want to break his legs and keep him with me all times. What a keeper. It's like, oh yeah, what... She's, she's, she's batting for a hundred. The other parties involved in the destruction of the Eight Fingers are both Nazarick related, with Sebast leading the recovery team to locate and extract Turare, and Demiuge playing the role of an evil demon king who is there to make the warrior, human warrior facade of Ainz look even more important. The whole thing ends up with the Eight Fingers falling under the control of Nazarick and Ainz duking it out with Demurge before the fake Demon King pulls back, making Ainz look the hero. Amusingly enough, Ainz also earns a fangirl named Eli, who was nearly able to kill Entoma, a cute bug maid of Nazarick. Though I doubt this relationship will go anywhere, as Ainz nearly lost it when he learned Entoma had nearly been killed by Eli. So I guess while Ainz can be, you know, able to blend in and get along with humans, his loyalties still fall deeply with Nazarick and its non-human inhabitants. Much like the last season, I can easily see this one getting another season. You know, to make use of those characters that were introduced, but we never really saw much of. Yeah. I still don't see where this is all leading to, where that end goal is, because I don't think Ainz cares much about finding a way out of this world. I mean, I wouldn't either. Becoming an all-powerful lynch with your own faction and more than a few hot girls trying to jump your bones? What mm-hmm. isn't to like? However, I do have to say that this season didn't quite wow me as much as the first. With the messy first few episodes and a lack of a heart-pumping battle like the one Ainz had with the mind-controlled Shaltir. So, sadly, it does fall a little bit in my opinion. Yeah. Now, uh, Madhouse did return to produce the animation for this, you know, same guys behind One Punch Man, High School of the Dead, and Black Lagoon. I shouldn't have to tell you, but this is one of those high-tier studios known for some of their amazing visuals. While details won't be fleshed out until the Blu-ray release, the overall quality was well beyond passing. 
Now, uh, Satoshi Hino continued to be a great role for Ainz, impressing me with his ability to switch between a deep, gravelly voice that Ainz uses to speak to his uh, subordinates and the normal one he uses for his internal dialogue. I honestly thought that there were two people playing the same character, but my digging has proven that just Satoshi is responsible for the Japanese voice. Impressive. Hmm. Now, here's a shocker. For my favorite character, it's not Alibeto, the yep. yonderday fallen angel character, and it's not Chaltier, the yonderday-esque lolly vampire. No, neither of them made much of an appearance this season, so I couldn't justify giving this award to either one for their small scenes that they show up in. Instead, I have no doubt in my mind that Sebastian was a clear winner. He's a gentleman, he has a great sense of style, treats those he deems worthy with a level hand, even if they're human, and he has a great voice provided by Shigure Chiba, He's also one of the only characters in an active relationship, with potential that the relationship will lead to further developments down the road. So, good. Hmm. And, uh, yeah, I give Overlord 2 a download now. Sweet! Quick, quick and snappy recommendation there. Um, I'm interested. So, Princess Yandere didn't make the favorite character. How come? Princess, oh, Princess Yandere. Just because I really, really dug Sebastian's treatment of Turari because he comes across her as like a beaten, bruised, battered, broken woman who has been drugged to hell and back and has basically been used as a uh, uh, fuck doll for a uh, prostitute ring led by the Eight Fingers. He, uh, you know, bends over to hear her like, if you want me to help you, Ask for it. And she says, you know, help me. And he's like, all right, well, she's mine now. Uh, everyone else can fuck off, and I'm going to take care of her. He saves her. He then orders Solution to cure her and heal her, which uh, Solution then uh, goes into great detail about how she has, like, all these different types of uh, sexual diseases, that she's drugged to near death. She's got broken bones everywhere, bruises and scrapes and eternal bleeding. And, you know, she's basically been treated like trash. Uh, yeah. However, she is healed by Solution because Solution is a slime. So Solution is able to do a lot of curing that a lot of other people can't. And she's able to actually cure her, uh, Surare of all the diseases that she had in, you know, come across and uh, all the different uh, drugs were removed from her system. So she's completely recovered. Wow. Slimes are great. Didn't know they yeah, slimes are great. Um, and she hated doing it. Of course, Solution absolutely despises humans, but, uh, <laughs> um, the Solution was the only solution. So, you know, yeah, but Solution was the only solution and she cured Surare and, and Sebastian is completely like a gentleman to her all the time. He made her a maid. He treats her really nicely. And she comes on to him first. Like, she's like, like, you saved my life. Like, I owe you everything. He's like, you don't owe me nothing. Like, this is just how a man should be. And, like, you know, she's the one who kisses him first. And he's like, oh, how, 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 do, how do humans react? Shit, um, that was nice. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. and, and she's, like, you know, blushing all the time. It's like, oh, it's really cute. And even at the end of the anime, 
um, when she's pulled uh, to Nazarick to work at the actual castle. Yep. Um, the head maid, uh, I guess you could say, like, one of the head maids, which is this, like, dog, uh, human-dog hybrid kind of thing. She says Juan at, at the end of her, her, her sentences. Kind of cute. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. She, uh, she mentions, like, uh, she's like, all right, well, she's going to be a maid for now. We'll see how she does. And, you know, until she gets to doing other things. And, like, Sebastian's is like, what do you mean? She's like, well, she's not going to stay a maid once she gets married. <laughs> and I'm like... <laughs> Uh, yeah all right all right all right anime i see this going she gonna get pregnant uh-huh. sebastian gonna get his freak on <laughs> yeah possibly i guess so yeah i i liked him and just because uh, the princess was wild great like you know she didn't do enough maybe didn't do much yeah yeah i i, I get that mm-hmm Plus, she wasn't going. She, I did like the fact though that she was rooting for a different character. It's not like she fell on Yandere for like Ainz's human form. She didn't fall Yandere for Ainz himself. She was like, oh, I'm Yandere for my personal bodyguard who, you know, is like my personal doggy and he does everything I say and it's so adorable. I just want to break his legs and make him mine. Mm-hmm. Ah, uh, quote of the year. <laughs> break his legs and make him mine. Okay, right, cool. Well, nice that you got another download now. Hopefully next season's just as good for you. Yeah, uh, and uh, so what do you have to say about uh, uh, Lolly becomes a bartender? <clears throat> ah, that's not in this episode, but yeah, the last preview of the season. <laughs> it's actually, that's in episode three, I think. But that was um, submitted to me for consideration by Queen Inoue, going in by the title of Hina Matsuri or Hina Festival and encompasses the genres of sci-fi, slice of life, comedy, supernatural and seinen. So how was it? Well, episode 1 begins with a kung fu skit of all things with a female practitioner making short work of a group of guys and then the last guy reaches for his pocket but is stopped by the woman who throws her weapon at his hand causing him to drop his smartphone and the fact that this scene is actually surprisingly well animated and the guy's reaction to his his phone falling to the ground made this all actually quite funny for me at first. Um, reinforcements appear behind the woman and she asks Hina, she asks Hina-chan to hang in there before we cut to three years earlier in a Japanese city with a blonde Yakuza guy called Nita laughing to himself after hanging up, what sounds like, uh, hanging up the phone for what sounds like a successful deal. He is interrupted when a portal appears above his head, as you do, and a capsule falls out of it and bonks him on the head. The capsule has the appearance of a cocoon with the face of a young girl jutting out of it. After an evening of denial and he pretends it doesn't exist, he comes to it the next morning and she persuades him to release her from the capsule, pressing the back of it. The girl is the titular character Hina, a deadpan girl with psychokinetic powers whose strong arms the guy called Nita to accommodate her through threats of destroying his property with her powers. The next portion of the episode details the routine of the two getting used to living with each other. Uh, in scenes that I think are supposed to be a bit heartwarming and overly humorous. You got Hina burning her tongue on food, getting her hair dried and racking up an expensive bill for poor Nita and buying her Mm. all sorts of things such as clothes, cups, a stuffed animal and a lot of ikuro. Her favourite food is ikuro. You know, a lot of that fancy caviar egg stuff. Eventually, Hina isn't satisfied with freeloading and gets Nita to have her enrolled in school as well. Uh, though the only way she, she does it through the only way she knows how so far, which is of course blackmail. She does promise not to use her powers though, through a pinky swear with Nita at least, 
And we get an awkward scene of her being introduced to the class while Nita looks like a nervous parent during his Yakuza office meeting thing. Followed by a scene following uh, Hina's lack of care for school activities and introducing her classmate, which is your, your aforementioned Lolly, who eventually becomes a bartender character who will have a role in later episodes, but that's all she gets in this episode. After a game of Wife of, of We Fit, we see that Hina is keeping her word on using her powers, but this is followed by Nita coming home to discover that if she doesn't use her powers, it builds up and eventually it leads to a loss of control. Um, in cause, causing his entire flat to get absolutely wrecked by her explosion of psychokinetic energy. Still, much like how Hogar found a use for the Iron Giant's need to eat metal, Nita finds a productive use for Hina's powers in the form of construction and property development. We get to see a pivotal development point in the relationship between Hina and Nita, as she remarks that his eyes when she helped him were like those of the adults she's known before. Quite perceptive, Nita realizes that she has been pretty much used in the past by everybody she's known because of, you know, she's just a kid of supernatural powers. And before he can elaborate further, he is called back to his office by the chief. As it turns out, the big boss himself got shot by an opposing group. Tasked with taking revenge on his own, Nita fears that this is the end of his Yakuza life before Hina shows up behind him and asks if he would like her to kill the enemies for him. Not wanting to send a child to handle his dirty work, Nita declines, but this makes Hina happy. Anyways, bringing it all back to the fact that she's she's not simply a tool anymore to be used compared to her old life, and she's happy to oblige in helping solve Nita's problems since she enjoys living with him, quite single-handedly taking out a whole building's worth of men. This of course gets Nita out of his hot water and he treats Hina to a big bowl of the fanciest Ikuro money can buy, ending with another skit of him seeing her off to school. Showing that the two now live reasonably and comfortably in each other's company now. There's also a post-ED skit where Nita accidentally gets trapped in that same metal capsule that Hina arrived in, and after some time she does decide to let him out, followed by an awkward Terminator reference. Um, so, unpacking this, it may have sounded like this was quite a lot loaded into this um, summation of Hina Matsuri, and it looks like an anime that wants to be a lot of things when it comes down to it. It wants to be humorous as it keeps itself light-hearted with characters throwing out witty quips in reaction to the various situations they find themselves in. I think it's also going for that heartwarming feel and the unlikely relationship that's forming between Hina and Nita. And I'm sorry, but it didn't really gel that perfectly for me, at least in my perspective. The tone for me is all over the place, at times going with the absurd cartoonish humour like the scene in which Hina takes out a whole building of Yakuza men and that kung fu skit at the start. But the rest of the humour isn't in that style and plays it more real and, you know, frank, quite frankly, a little bit bland. On some level, I'm supposed to take Nita's relationship with Hina seriously, with some of their scenes in the latter half of the episode being quite effective at times, but it's undercut by the identity crisis as Hina sits there and sips tea while Nita gets the shit beaten out of him by his Yakuza chief. One of the central, I guess, character drama things going on in this episode is Hina's feeling of her relationship with Nita as is very different as she's used to taking orders and being scolded and stuff for not doing the right thing. Uh, like She's often been controlled in relationships in the past and is accustomed to it, despite the fact that when she first arrived in this world, she clearly has the more power between the two. She blackmails him into taking her in and literally twists his arm to buy her stuff. This is all doesn't mesh well together, I'm afraid. My favourite part of the episode was the very first uh, scene in which the Kung Fu stuff happened, and it did set the tone for what I thought I was walking into, which was an absurdist style humour kind of comedy show, the like so that you could expect from maybe something like Gintama. But it's at complete odds with the rest of the episode, so I don't really know why they showed it. I mean, 
that was three years into the future apparently and you'd think that they would tie into why they showed that at the very start of the series then yet here I am two episodes later and I still don't know why they had that Kung Fu scene in there. Like my last preview I don't think this is necessarily a bad show though. It's decently animated and the voice acting is fine and stuff happens I guess but at the same time I didn't get much out of it at the end of the day. It wasn't funny enough that I laughed at at all really any times besides just chuckle at the whole smartphone guy at the start because it just kind of came out of nowhere but it wasn't serious enough that I got invested in the characters or drama at all either. Uh, I would really need to it would really need to excel in one thing sooner or later rather than um, if I was to consider it an actually good show though rather than a minor distraction. So while I keep watching at the end of the day I watched two more episodes and I roughly feel the same about those as I do with this one. They introduce some new character and it's just carries on being sort of light-hearted, sort of serious, sort of comedic show that it is. For now I took a break until I rewatched episode 1 for this preview, but I wouldn't be heavily against finishing it someday. I'm not in any rush though, really. Alright. I've yeah. definitely seen like it looks like it's a pretty humorous anime. Yeah, it's humorous-ish. I, I don't know. Ish. It's humorish ish ish. I feel like it's, I don't know. It's it's like, I would say like it's. I can't even say it's a failed comedy because I don't even know if it's trying super hard to get you like laugh out loud laughing. I don't know. I'm I'm a mm. little bit confused with it. I I don't know how to, cause it's like okay, like you know you mentioned the bartender, you know, middle school student later on, and it's like, it's it's a it's an interesting image to see. But I don't know if it's like, oh my god, this is the best scene ever. Oh my god, have you ever seen anything so crazy? You know, it's not like that. It's not really played up like that. So, I don't know. You're seeing absurd stuff, but it's kind of not played too much for laughs. I don't know. It's a weird show. Yeah, it weird. looks like a lot of like the thing is like the lolly bartender. But then again, that may just because it's the most recent episode. Uh, it was an episode three. Um, and it's in the EDs, like the, that, that scene of her like serving customers, like that bar scene happens in all of the ending credits where all the characters gather together in the ED, in that same room, but I don't know if they keep on going with it, but they first bring it in in episode 3. They're now in episode I think 8 now, so I don't know how relevant it is now. <laughs> Underage person serving alcohol, I suppose that's, that's interesting, I guess. Again, she was kind of blackmailed into position. Yeah, kinda. Kinda stronger than that. What do you think will happen if I show this to your school? <laughs> Alright. So, yep. uh, so, a couple that you uh, may continue, and me. one that's yeah. definitely, a, definitely a download now, so. Uh, no, not bad. Not bad. Not yep. bad. Bad at all. They have me there. I think that does it for another episode of Anime Pulse. Indeed. And uh, we're cutting it right uh, right at the tippy toe end here. So uh, until next time, keep watching, keep listening, and keep the anime love strong. <laughs>